Welcome to Mount Olive First Pentecostal Holiness Church. Thank you for connecting with us. Our desire at MOFPHC is for you and your family to find hope in Jesus Christ so that He will transform your life. Thanks again for connecting with us. Please contact us if we can help you discover God's purpose for your life. Enjoy the message. to skip a year, right? Yeah. Amen. Well, I'm very grateful to come. I want to share with you this morning what we do, remind you what you guys are part of. Uh, hopefully, I leave you better off than I found you. That's typically what I do when I meet people on the street. I'm a street missionary. I go out and share the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. I find people right where they're at. I learned a long time ago as a young Christian, everybody's not coming to church. How many of you know that? So somehow we got to take our message and our gospel to them. And that's been our mission for 32 years. I'm thinking, man, if, if they could just taste a little bit of what I've tasted or see a little bit of what I've seen, they would want this same Jesus, but they didn't show up. And I did a lot of stuff to be creative to get them to come, and he didn't come. So I went and bought me a podium, and I just went and started preaching the gospel on the street. And now it's been 32 years later. Uh, my heart typically is for runaway kids. I've always been drawn to kids to, uh, who felt rejected, misunderstood, and have put my energy in that area. Uh, in doing so, I, I thought I was doing God a favor. I went on my one mission trip, anybody, and I said, God, I'm going to Hollywood. I felt this little nudge in my heart to go to Hollywood, and I wasn't sure. I had hair back then. Maybe I wanted to get discovered. I don't know. But I went to Hollywood, and uh, what I saw changed me because I thought I was going to change someone else. And when I started hearing some of these stories and what some of these kids were facing on a continual basis, my heart began to genuinely break. And I'm thinking, I can relate to that. I remember there was a time in my life I was broken like this. There was a time I felt this way. And what kept me from making some of the same choices or bad choices or wrong choices had to be the grace of God. So as I came home and I checked my box for God, I said, okay, God, I did my one mission trip. You know, I'm, I'm good now. I can sit on the back row, raise my hand, worship. But see, when you do something like that, when you get involved, when you, when you put yourself in that position, God begins to talk to you. And I remember as I'd pray, and I wanted to pray my own agenda. You know what I'm saying? Like, brother, we have our own agenda. But then these names kept coming back to my heart. And I remember, remember Kim's story, and I remember Samantha's story, and it just hijacked my heart. So... Little by little, I just kept showing up and returning and going back and loving these people. And the main, here, here's the thing that amazed me the most. They listened to me. I thought it was the anointing, but it was the southern accent. <laughs> just keep that going until the anointing kicks in, okay? But anyway, and it's like, where are you from? I'm like, from North Carolina. <laughs> but anyway, but it, it really, it was a moment that we could speak into their lives and I could hear their story. So little by little, I was trying to figure out, and I knew the first way to minister to them was to feed them. And obviously, it took a lot to feed a lot because we were seeing a lot of kids, and we came up with this creative idea for those who are watching online and those who are here this morning who have never participated. Uh, basically, it's just an encouragement card. And they'll be out on the table when you go out this morning, 
and you can pick one up and you can write a handwritten note to someone living on the street and something very simple this is simply says my name is Joe I want to personally encourage you in your heart toward Jesus Christ never ever ever give up you're so loved and so valued and then I put a scripture my, one of my favorite scriptures is Matthew 6 seeking first the kingdom of God and then when you insert a $5 gift card to McDonald's people say why McDonald's can it be anything else well McDonald's is pretty much on every corner pretty much across America so I'm not supporting McDonald's I'm trying to feed a kid I'm trying to win a window to their heart so they'll then you bring it back to the church and this year we're saying July 25th July 25th will be the last Sunday of July return these cards put your McDonald's meal card in seal it up decorate it pray over it you know and I even say this if you got four grandkids do one for every grandkid do something in honor of someone else that you know what God keep my own children invest in someone else's kid maybe you want to fast a lunchtime meal and just swing by McDonald's and instead of eating a Big Mac write a, a card write a note to someone and let that be your meal time and just sit at McDonald's and pray however you decide to do it make it special and believe God to do a work to believe God whoever receives this it'll be life changing and, and obviously the church mails it back to us and I'm like a spiritual postman. I just take these and I go out and find kids. I found 75 kids this week. It's 117 degrees in Phoenix right now. I don't even want to be in Phoenix right now. It's hot. But man, these kids, I find them under behind buildings. I find them going through trash cans. I find them in a lot of different places. And I take your car and I say, hey, have you had breakfast yet? Have you had a meal today? And they'll say, man, I haven't eaten in two days. Or I haven't eaten in whatever. And man, I've had them to take them out of my hand and start running to McDonald's. I didn't get a chance to talk to them. I'm telling you, this is powerful. Because when they open it up, they say, well, who is Joe? Who is Sandy? Who is Bob? Who is Larry? I said, well, this is just someone who cares, who loves Jesus Christ. And they have extended their table to you. So they're home with their family. See, this is the way we all become missionaries. This is the way we, how we all can do something for the kingdom of God. We all have moments we have broken hearts. We've all been misunderstood. We question our own head about humanity. Man, what's going on? If last year didn't challenge us to no end. Listen, the Bible says we overcome by the word and the word of our testimony. I'm telling you, our testimony got sharpened last year, did it not? I'm telling you, we had, all went through stuff. When, to sit down, when we first, this thing first came out, not to get on that, but I'm telling you, we all had to say, where are we at? And somehow you have to reach down deep inside of you and say, I am a believer in Jesus Christ. And this thing's not going to take me down. I have something on my heart. This Jesus is real inside of me. And I'm going to communicate this in, in, the, in the best way I know how. And I'm going to find people that are hurting. And I was telling someone just earlier, I found last year, you know, it's one thing to find someone like typically the runaway that we'd actually go after. But last, last year, I found people who had jobs and homes a month prior were sleeping in cars in a park with two and three kids. I'm telling you, this stuff was real. And it hit all of us. It did. But you know what? I wasn't going to get down and out. I wasn't going to say, woe is me. I've got to rise up. We're the church of Jesus Christ. And we're to be the messengers and the light of the world. And we, if we don't bring hope, we can't look to whoever that we've been looking to. We are the church. 
and people are looking to us to see how how did you survive last year how did you get through this time how did you do that and you know what and you just start dwelling on your faith and speaking love into their life i want to bring them to the only person who can change them and that is christ he brings restoration it comes through people like you and i that we all have our tough spots, but we come out. And I'm telling you, God still uses humanity to reach humanity. In the book of Acts, there was only 120 believers when the Holy Spirit was poured out. That's the church. We could trace the church today back to that upper room. What if they didn't show up that night, Pastor Kevin? What if it was just another night? Oh, I'm not going. They could have made excuses to stay home just not that important it's just Pastor Kevin we've heard him before but you never know when there's going to be a sudden moment you never know when there's going to be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit you don't never know when all the hearts begin to sink in one accord and the Holy Spirit begin to move you don't know we can't just say man this is too easy because it's easy to get like that and last year we kind of all got like that to a degree I didn't even want to go to church for a while I'm like man this is it got too easy and their world back in those days was as bad as ours. We think, man. But the Bible does say we're all waxing worse and worse. You know what? 120 believers changed. We're probably here this morning in several hundred. What if the Holy Spirit would pull out, pour out fresh this morning? See, I think somehow we just think, okay, that was back in biblical times. That don't even really apply to us anymore. We just come to church, hear a good message, get inspired, get motivated. Listen, folks, if you come to church one and two times a week and you struggle in between those two times, how about the people who are not of faith? How about the people who don't, who can't, who don't have a, a cheerleading crew, who don't have a church body, don't have anyone around them to cheer them on? And when they fall down, guess what? They stay down. Nobody's coming along and say, get up. You can make it. Nobody comes alone and becomes their personal cheerleader. A lot of things we lean on today. Television. I was dare to say, and I believe the Apostle Paul didn't have a television show. He was not on TBN. I'm not knocking TBN, but he was not on TBN. Thomas didn't have a Facebook page. I don't believe Peter ever tweeted. But they impacted the world. Folks, come on, what's their secret? What is different about this body of believers that makes us, that we're different. They lived out their faith every day. Come on. They prayed and they believed that God would use them. They just didn't pray. Oh, thank you, Lord. And going by, God, today change me. Today do a fresh work in me. I, I hadn't planned on saying this, but how about when Peter was locked up in prison? They were all praying that he would be released. And someday come and knock at the door. And it was a supernatural release. And the girl opened the door and she thought, man, they thought they were mad. But they were praying. They believed and the doors open. That's what we got to do. We got to believe these doors are open. You have to believe that. They touch people. Come on, somebody. It's okay to touch somebody. It's okay to look them in the eye. I'm telling you, that's a powerful force. When you're talking to someone about Jesus Christ, to take your sunglasses off and look them in the eye. And not only did they look them in the eye, but they spoke with conviction. They said, you know what? And they, and they somehow could almost try to relate to what they were going through. Now, everybody don't know what it's like to be homeless. Everybody don't know what it's like to be abused in, in, in every imaginable way. But somehow you try to feel that. 
And when you can begin to feel that, they, want, they trust that which is on the inside of them. I've said this for many years. It's not up to me to reveal Christ. I'm to present Christ. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Holy Spirit said, oh, Joe, stop. That's not you. Because if I can talk you into something, somebody else can talk you out of it. I'm not here to try to fast talk you into the gospel of Jesus Christ. When you come down to the altar, I may touch you, may not touch you. If God don't touch you, I can't change you. I'm just presenting the gospel, presenting the truth, the very thing that changed my life. Folks, I grew up in Johnson County. I was just a tractor farm boy just like most people here. I'm just, I grew up on a tobacco patch. That was the early form of child abuse. Y'all know that, right? <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> I don't know where that came from. <laughs> I got some bitterness in my heart, apparently. <laughs> but you know what? When you speak truth, it changes someone. A girl told me this week, actually it was last week, I had given her a card on one part of town, and apparently she had got a ride, and she was on the other part of town, and and. And, I would, and they were sitting in the car. It was a lot where a lot of homeless kids are. And I kept telling the guy, and they, the two, two of them came, but the other two wouldn't come. And she went, I said, tell that girl to come here. <laughs> Took authority over that. Tell her to come in. She finally got out. And I didn't recognize her. She said, you just gave me a card this morning early. I said, I didn't even recognize you. She said, I didn't want you to see me in this situation. She said, this is not who I want to be. This is not who I intend to be. And I, you know what? I know that. And she said, you don't give up on us. She said, we all know who you are. We all know what you do. We see you come around. And you know what? Of course, it made me feel a little bit good because you know, <laughs> I do this a lot. She says, you won't let us die. And man, I'm telling you what, I don't want no one to die up under my watch. If there's some energy within me that I can speak to them and I find them under bridges going through dumpsters, isolated places because they've all been without all I am is a liaison I'm, you know, I'm, when I pray in the mornings and I take my prayer time seriously if you peep in my window you think I've gone mad <laughs> I'm talking to the wall I'm talking to everything you know, like, anyway but I'm, I'm creating a liaison I'm touching heaven and then I'm going out and trying to touch the world and somehow that's symbolic of Christ as you touch Christ and touch heaven, you touch the world. And somehow, though, you just slowly introduce them to Jesus Christ. And he's the one. He's the one that brings change. So this morning when you go out, please consider taking one or two, five, 50, 100, 10,000. I'll pass them out. I'll get them out. I'll find people. And I'm telling you, they're out there. There's people hurting out there. We have a short video just to give you a snapshot of some of the people that we see. since I was 14 I've been I've been taking care of myself 
I've been disowned by both my parents. My dad when I was 17, my mom just last January. She could care less if I'm on the ground, in the street, you know, dead. She wouldn't even care. She wouldn't even turn around and look back. like everybody else and so I, when I'm out I say it's like this week when it was so hot 117 degrees I said you know what because it would have been easy I could have just slipped on back to the house and nobody would have never known but you know what I'm speaking to somebody's baby somebody's child somebody's praying somewhere God sent someone to my home another young lady she told me this week she said when I asked her about prayer she said pray with me that I be restored to my family and I said, and she told me her story. She said, I had no idea when I took my first hit of this drug, it would destroy my life. She said, I burnt the bridge and I left. She said, but all I want to do is have my family back, but they won't let me back in. And you know what? We were able to sit there and pray. So here she is on the street corner with two other people. And I'm just praying with her to be restored to her family. Some mom is probably praying that she would be restored. But see, that's what I'm saying. We are the liaison for that. Some of you guys may listen. Man, that's your calling. That's not my deal. God's called you for that. You know what? He's called all of us to be a witness. He's called all of us to be lighted to the world. And we can do that simply. Now, listen. Uh, we may not be front line, but we can be a supply line. And it's just as important to be a supply line because people do respond to the gospel. What are we going to do with that which is given in our hand? What are we going to do? What's, God's entrusted you with the salvation. We can hang on to it and say, man, it's I got mine. You know, sometimes we get like that. It's you know, human nature is to be protective. You know what I'm saying? We want to just, me and my house, we're okay. But I, you know what? That's okay too. But you know what? We want to make sure we open the door at somebody else's house to let them come into our own world. I want to share an inspiring story. It's a very familiar story, but I want to paint a picture in such a way because I want to make it come alive just a little bit. We all know the story of Moses, him at the burning bush. Now, if you told me today, Pastor Kevin, you had an encounter with God, I said, praise God, brother. I said, how did it happen? You said, Bush talked to me. I want to get you drug tested. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There's, but see, we, we read these things and we take them at face value. We, we, we just, oh, it's in the Bible. But could you imagine what was going through Moses' mind when he had this experience? Now, you gotta, this is in Exodus 3, he's at the burning bush, but if we go back to Exodus 2, he's killed a man, he's confronted the next day. I'm going to just speed this up a little bit, but you can just hang on with me. Put your helmet on, hang on. And he, and, uh, he gets to the, he kills a man and he's confronted and he takes off and he's on the backside of the desert for 40 years. How many of you know Moses was the first runaway? He ran away from his calling. He ran away. He was out there. He met some folks at the well, Jethro's daughters, married one of them. And he was, uh, and he's tending sheep. He's doing something he's probably not supposed to be doing. We know the lineage. We know, understand how he got here. And so now he's at Jethro's table. And this is where I want to paint your imagination just a little bit. Will y'all let me do that? Okay. Because this is not going to be like totally scripture. But, can, but here, here's the way I want to, this is why I want to do it like this. When we read the Bible, we don't begin to imagine what they went through. We just think, oh, they're just godly men. I'm telling you, they were just like you. I think sometimes it's what not said is as important as what was said. Could you imagine? I mean, sir, can you imagine when Mary told Joseph, I'm pregnant? There's a lot of stuff left out, left out in Scripture right there. It didn't, you know what I'm saying? So you have to imagine what he was going through. 
And as he was sitting at Jethro's table, so this is the part I want to paint. Maybe someone would come by and knock at the door. They're sitting, sitting around the table, sopping bread. And he would talk about the oppression of the Israelites. And somehow or nothing, something began to resurrect in him. Because he knew 40 years prior, he had a heart for a people because it was his instinct to stand up for this individual. And now he's on the backside of the desert. He realizes he's not living the life he was born to live. And maybe he has to slip out of the house. Maybe he has to excuse himself. And he walks out and he does something that you and I have probably done multiple times. He shakes his fist at God. And where are you? You can create high tide, low tide, sunset, sunrise. You can do all this great work, but the very thing that's created in your image is perishing right up under your nose. And heaven is solid. Anybody ever cried out to God like that? Ever, anybody ever had a moment and you say, God, where are you? My son, daughter is this, or this, my marriage is this, or my, whatever it could be. And you didn't have nothing. And you felt like when you prayed, it bounced off the ceiling and came back and knocked you out. It went nowhere. These people were on the backside of the desert, or Moses was on the backside of the desert. And he says, you know what? And I can imagine him saying something like this young lady said. 40 years ago, I took matters into my own hands. Anybody ever done that besides me? <laughs> I was out of character. Anybody ever been out of character? Come on, church. I was out of character when I killed a man. That was not who I was. It's not who I intend to be. And it's not who I want to be. There's people living a life they don't intend to live this way, but something's put a hook in their head, in their mind, in their heart, and they don't know how to get past it. I hear this all the time. If I could get past this, I would. They, they can't get past it in their mind or thoughts. And another generation is facing the same injustice. And then I can see Moses saying, why do I keep carrying this burden? Why does this happen to me? And now you go to another chapter, chapter 3, and then there's a suddenly moment. <laughs> you know, there's a suddenly God. It's happening. He had the burning bush experience. He, he, listen, it wasn't so much the burning bush. It was the voice that Moses thought that had abandoned him. Man, I hear people say all the time, man, I pray to God all the time. He don't talk to me like that anymore. He's never spoken to me like that but they've maybe never positioned their heart just right. They haven't had that suddenly moment. And all of a sudden, he hears that very voice that has spoken to him multiple times, the one he cried out to, the one he shook his fist at heaven at. And you know what? And he began to speak to him. He experienced something that made him know that his solution was inside of him. He became one with the I am. And you know what? Your power is from within. And he said to him, I am here when he spoke to the bush. And then something came out of him. He began to see his own beauty. Come on, church. You've got to get people to see their own beauty. You don't see them in their fallen state. See them in the mercies of God. See them raising their hands just like you do. See them celebrating Jesus Christ. See them with a redeemed uh, testimony. Folks, that's how we have to see people. If we see them in their fallen state, we'll never see them. They can, because we're the one who has to paint the picture. We're the one who has to draw them to that place that they can see themselves. And now he has a fresh touch and a fresh uh, a touch of God in his heart. And then, because when we see injustice, and there's a lot of injustice going on today, take that position to be an agent of change. We've all cried out for something. And in doing so, but you have to believe God's not done yet. He's working through us. You know what? And the days turn into weeks and months. And you know what? We can't get discouraged when the time seems to be passing us by. 
You know what? That one day, that suddenly moment. Uh, many years ago, I was with a, a young kid on Hollywood Boulevard, and he said he, he burned the bridge when he left. And I said, no, your mom wants you to call her. I said, you got to call her. He said, no, she, she did this, this, this. I said, call her. And we called her. Her mom screamed on the other. She said, I've been praying that you would call. But see, he thought he couldn't call home. Like Moses, we as children of God, the church of Jesus Christ, have to ask ourselves some real piercing questions. What are you going to do with that which has been given to you? Are we going to keep shaking our fist toward God? Are we going to keep saying, well, over there, over there, but my, this is my little lot. No. I'm telling you, I'm going to hold my hands up. I'm going to keep worshiping. When I don't understand what to say or do, I can worship I can raise my hands. I can believe. You know what? And God's responsible for showing up. Always put the Holy Spirit on notice. Don't be, a, don't be, a, be afraid of the Holy Spirit. It's not okay. And it's okay to say, God, I don't understand. Holy Spirit, if you don't reveal this to me, you know, I'm just going to be in the dark about this. I do that all the time. Holy Spirit, you lead me here. You lead me there. You, you reveal me how to uh, get through the situation. And then I begin to open my fist up. Could you imagine him going back into the house? And they said, man, you're, something's changed about you. You know, maybe he sat back down and began to eat. And, but he had a moment with God. That's what I want you to get. And you and I will have to have those moments with God. You know what? And sometimes it's great to pray with your family. But sometimes, folks, you just got to get along. You know, I got saved in a Quaker church. You know, how many of you know we don't talk in Quaker churches? We don't do nothing. We just sit there. <laughs> We're waiting for the Holy Spirit to move. And I'm telling you, it was, but it was as a power and just sitting and waiting upon the Lord to move. But you know what? When God spoke to him and that voice he knew hadn't abandoned him, he knew what he had to do. He knew what he had to do. There was a people to be set free. There was a situation he was to address. And you know what? And you start fighting for something bigger than yourself. Folks, I'm telling you, we're all just going to breeze through this life. And I'm telling you, the, the humanity, we don't, I mean, whatever it is, 70, 80, 100 years, this is our season. This is our season. I used to coach basketball. And I always put my best players in first because I wanted to make a statement. I had to put some of my weaker players in in second, third quarter because I just wanted to maintain. But if I wanted to finish strong, I put my best players back in. I'm telling you, our generation, you, look, you may look at yourself in the mirror and you say, man, I'm not the fourth quarter guy. I can tell you with the times the way they are, I believe we're the fourth quarter people. You may not recognize yourself as fourth quarter people, but God has put you in this time and this season of your life. You're born, you could have been born at any time in history, but you're born in the time that right now the word to make a difference in our generation. So we're to stand up and take a position of the force that's working against, the, or the evil that's working against us. And we're gonna have to choose like Moses himself to make a difference. I'm sure he second-guessed himself many times. Anybody ever second-guessed themselves? Am I the only messed up one in the house <laughs> I, I second guess myself all the time God would, was that you you know I, yeah I used to say I would never make a spiritual decision on Sunday I would have, if I, something was put in my heart on a Sunday I would say I'm waiting to Tuesday about 4 o'clock in the morning because that's when all the you know the church stuff and the music there's nobody playing the keyboard <laughs> there's no I'm telling you I was always looking for that silent moment say God did you put that in my heart when, God, when I felt the impression to quit my job, I don't want to quit my job. I want to put my kids through college. <laughs> you know, I was, I, anybody ever negotiate with God besides me? I'm like, Lord, I tell you what I'll do. 
I'll go to the mission field, but let me, I'll come back to it when I'm 45. My house will be paid for, my kids will be graduated, they'll be through college, and I'll be here to serve you all the days of my life. How many of you know that went well? <laughs> Didn't go nowhere. But see, I was negotiating with God, and sometimes we, I think we do that. We try to negotiate with God. When I felt the impression to pack up everything I had, now, I already didn't have much. I'm already in missionary status, so I didn't have much. I put everything, and to move to the West Coast, I said, Lord, I don't want to go to the West Coast. I'm going to stay here in Wayne County. I'll, I'll go to the back to the tobacco patch if I need to. <laughs> I didn't want to leave because these are the people I love. But you know what? I love those people too. And I can tell you this. Nobody competes with me. I have no competition, church. Nobody ever comes along and says, oh, get away from these people. These are my parishioners. Don't get that. And you know what they say? You can have them. You know why? Because they're in the liability column. They don't bring offerings. They don't invite me to speak. I just show up. I ask nothing. I give everything. In doing so, I think and I believe in my heart I'm putting the Holy Spirit on notice, like I said. God, I just showed up. If you don't reveal yourself, I'm out of here. <laughs> you know what? Do, all of, does, do everybody respond? No. But I have to go. Because people make wrong choices all the time. So when you take these cards this morning, and you write a sweet note of love and a sweet note of encouragement, write it like you write, write, it, like you write it to your own kids. Write it to someone like, if you know someone that's in a bad situation, call it a seed into their own heart and let the Holy Spirit do work in that situation. We all need encouragement. I try to live in a forward mode all the time. But, you know, sometimes like you, even though I'm the speaker and I'm the missionary and the minister, I have to go back to that place and remind myself where it all began with the visitation the dreams, the visions. You ever think somehow if Lazarus ever went back to the tomb, could you imagine that? You know, this is what he took the grave clothes off. Could you imagine him just going back to the tomb and somebody walking by and saying, man, why'd you come back here? This is where you were dead. He needed to be reminded how he was resurrected. Some of us need to come back to the altar and be remembered where we got resurrected. Some of us need to go back to that place where we found Jesus and be reminded of how we gave our life to Jesus Christ. You ever think maybe Paul went and told the guy, said, saddle me up a horse, here's two shekels. And rode that horse, where are you going? I don't know, I'll be back in three days. And just went back, sat down by that rock and said, God, I got knocked off my horse right here. This is where I was broken. This is where I, just, uh, I became a changed man. See, we all had those moments. What about Peter? <laughs> Man, I'm telling you what, I, Peter, I like Peter. <laughs> I mean, he, was, he, took, he took leaps of faith. How many of you were willing, willing to get out of a boat and start walking on water? Not I. You know, I, I just know in my mind I'm going to sink. But Jesus took his hand. He walked on water. Could you imagine him going up to the dock, throwing two coins up and saying, hey, Peter, <laughs> I thought you sold your boat. He said, That's, I, how long are you going to be gone? Just a day and just rode back out to that place and just sat there and wept and cried and said God this is where I almost drowned I almost died here God I gave up everything to follow you I didn't understand you 
that God, you saved me in this place. And maybe he got a second wind. How many of you need a second wind this morning? <laughs> I do. I'm talking to myself. Can I just turn around and talk to myself? We all need that. How much more? If I need that and you need that, and we're in church with God's children, how much more do they need that? Why not us be the light of Jesus Christ? Why, do, why not us be the hope for the world? That somehow, the Bible says by our one man's disobedience, we're all made sinners. That means when you get to heaven, it's all Adam's fault. We kick him in the chins and we're good. But by one man's obedience, many shall be made righteous. Wait a minute. You tell me if I act on this one thing that God that you're putting in my heart, many shall be made righteous. Folks, when I showed up on my first missionary journey, I had no clue what I had signed up for. I was clueless. When I found out some of the places we were going and the people we were talking to, I said, mm-mm. I went to that phone booth, and that was back in the day we had a rotary dial. Called the airline and said, get me out of here. And she told me it was about $1,500. And I knew I was stuck. I said, God, you tricked me. You won't do this to me again. Mm-mm. We're going back to Wayne County, born back here. <laughs> I'm going back home. But what I saw in the next couple of days changed my life. Was I angry at God? I threw my Bible against the room. I said things I would never say to God in my life again. And, but in that moment, he knew where I was at. He knew what I was facing. He knew my insecurities. And you know what? I was able to lead five people to Jesus Christ in that one-week missionary journey trip. I'm thinking, what could I have said? What little bit could I have said to make you want this Christ? I remember asking the guy one time, I said, do you understand what I'm saying? He said, I don't have a clue. He said, but I can feel the love. Oh, come on, church. Is that a good place to say amen? Can they feel the love when you speak to them? Can they feel that which is something that's radiating, radiating out of you? Or is it just another word that just falls flat? Folks, I'm here to sound the alarm. We are the church, and we're not done yet. And I close with this story. I was at the Grand Canyon several years ago and uh, having with a lot of other people. Saw a birthday party happening over here and we were probably 50 yards away and I heard a scream like only a mother could scream. And she screamed and the birthday boy, the son, had fallen off the cliff and as he was going down, he got wedged between two rocks hanging for life. And about 20 or 25 men showed up, took off their belts, laced, tied them together, lowered it down, instructed the boy to put it around him the best he could, and these men slowly pulled this boy up. Now that mom, I'm sure she had baby pictures all over her house when he was born, but it didn't mean nothing till that day because now he got a second chance at life. And it took the scream of one person, one person, and everybody showed up wanting to do something. You see, that's the church of Jesus Christ. I'm here telling you our job's not done. <laughs> I'm here to tell you and remind you that, yeah, we well, are going to go back to our world, our job, and do life, and we should. But you should be consciously aware everybody's not where you're at. And it's our responsibility to, to link up anywhere we can, however we can, to bring these people to the place where they know the same Jesus that you and I know. Amen?
So you know what? The Bible says in Proverbs 22, 22, and I quote this all the time as I close. Rob not the poor nor the afflicted, but spoil them. In doing so, God will spoil you. Folks, that's powerful. That speaks to my heart. Take care of what moves his heart. He still uses humanity to reach humanity. He still, we are still have the opportunity to look people in the eye, to speak love and encouragement, and in doing so, their names, their names can be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. As Kevin comes in place, I want to encourage you this morning. You're sitting here, I, I, I may have said it at the beginning, but if I didn't forgive me, I want to leave you better off than I found you. I want you to be encouraged because some of you may feel like you're between a rock this morning. You don't know what the next thing you need to do. And you know what? And just because you're in the church, just because you're Christians, other people may be blinded to where you're at. They don't see you in your broken state. They don't see you in your fallen state. Folks, we need to be aware and listen to what people are saying. And as you listen, you can best minister to the heart. If If I was to say... If I went into the doctor's office and I said, hey, uh, doctor, doctor, I'm hurting. And I put out my hand. He said, well, give me a hand. And I put a, he puts a cast on his signs at Dr. Joe. He said, how you feel? Horrible. It's my foot that's broke. <laughs> we don't listen to people. We only listen to what we want to hear. And we talk about what we want to talk about. If you'll listen long enough somebody will tell you where they're hurting and you do that that's the best medicine in the world amen would you stand with me this morning please if you're in a hard place a tough place a difficult place you may say God I just want a heart for you a little bit I just want to I want to know you you may say this morning you need a suddenly moment I pray whatever you need this morning, you find it. But I can tell you, this is the church. This is the church of Jesus Christ. And if we can't get it right here, it's going to be a little bit more difficult out there. This is your cheerleading squad. These are the people who love you and care about you. These are the people who want to see you cross the line. These are the people. Listen, there is no judgment in this house. Come on, church. (laughs) There is no judgment. We don't know where you've been. We're not going to judge you where you've been. We want to help you get to where you're going. Amen? Father, we just pray. And as I begin to pray, if you need to slip out, that's fine. No, no, no pressure to stay. But if you need prayer, you want a fresh touch from God, you need something in your... God, do something in me. Give me that suddenly moment. I just want you to come out and pray. Find this place at the altar. Come back to that place. And it can be an imaginary place. It can just be that place where you gave your life to Jesus Christ. In Revelation, he said, go back to your first love. What's your first love, church? Man, we all got that first love, man. We had so much zeal for Jesus Christ, and then guess what? The world kind of settled in on us a little bit. Kind of took our fire. I remember one of, one of the things that was said to me as an early Christian. I was so zealous for God, and this guy, heard, I overheard two deacons talking. He said, yeah, he'll burn out. <laughs> ain't burn out yet. <laughs> ain't burn out yet. Father, we love you. We honor you, Lord. God, we stand here this morning somewhat broken, but people of faith. Probably probably not understood completely, but God trusting. Trusting something bigger than ourselves.
to navigate us through this thing called life. God, I pray this morning that as our human experience continues, as we indwell in this body, Father, we're not just instruments of impact, we're agents of change. And when we see something, some type of injustice like Moses experienced in his day, that God, somehow we would walk out of this place as fresh missionaries to America and to our nation and to our world. That God, we're not going to take a back seat to what's been dealt, whether it be political or whatever the case may be, God. We are the church. And we would take the position of being light in darkness. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you.